Good morning. Don't think I didn't hear the murmuring during the video. It was loud, but I heard, I heard I'm just joking. Um, I just want to say on the front end, I think this ground and this time has sufficiently been claimed for Jesus. And a lot of people have told me, uh, Pastor Randy, you're a worship pastor. You should, you should sing the message. <laughs> I mean, when, when I say a lot, I mean like 15 to 20 people have actually said that. And I'm like, like Les Mez, like, like, like they sing the entire time? And they're like, yeah, that'd be cool. And <laughs> so I was like, open up your books of the Bible to Acts chapter 2. <laughs> No, uh, <laughs> it's a privilege to be here this morning, and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to honor your time. Uh, I'm going to tell you that the Lord was in the preparation of this. Uh, the Lord uh, ministered to me during the preparation of what he gave me to share with you today. Um, some of this is my words, but it's my words through the Spirit of God, I feel, through me, so... Um, I pray that he'll use this um, to uh, edify you and grow you and draw you close to him and really continue what the Spirit of God's already been doing in this place and in our country, to be honest. Um, I want to thank my wife, first of all, um, Jamie. And uh, yeah, you can clap for her. That's all right. <laughs> uh, you need support when you do stuff like this. And so she was super supportive. And my kids, I have three girls. I'll tell you a little bit about myself real quick. I'm going to be quick because i got to tell you about my grandkids. But I'm not, not going to take too long. Uh, I have three grown children. Uh, our oldest is Zach. He's married to Cassidy. They live in Ohio. He's a worship pastor. They just gave birth to their second grandbaby, which is our second girl grandbaby. So, yeah. Any grandpas in the house? Grandma's in the house. All right. Let's go. Um, and then uh, our middle child, Emily, she's married to Sam, and they live uh, near Destin. And he is a middle school pastor, and she's a school teacher. She's not teaching right now, but uh, they're amazing. They're probably watching. Hey, kids. And, uh, and then Riley and Keith. Uh, Riley's our youngest, and they're sitting right here in the front with Jamie. I'm just thankful for them. All right. All right, we're four weeks into Seeking Shalom and the Seeking Shalom Together sermon series. We've learned, uh, we kind of, Pastor Brian kind of talked about the beginnings and really taught on shalom and what that word means and what it means for us as believers. Uh, then he talked about we are Christ-centered, how um, Christ is, should and ought to be at the center of everything we do and say and live and how we interact with each other. And then we are leaders was last week. And uh, uh, there's a leader in all of us. You just need to find it and find out what that is that God is leading you to do and where he, where, what his purpose is for you. Uh, today, uh, the message is entitled, We Are Family. And we'll be doing a deep dive into the word together uh, and more of the word togetherness uh, while we're currently in the Seeking Shalom uh, Together series. Uh, if you're a note taker, 
you're going to love this message. <laughs> if you're not, so I encourage you to get your notepad out. If you're not a note taker, this might be a good time to start. There's no condemnation. We just heard that. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you don't, that's fine too. Um, uh, but if you're, if you're not a note taker and you're just like, no, I'm just going to listen, just really uh, allow the Spirit of God to have you hold on to what you hear today. All right? So, and don't think the temptation wasn't there because my, the name of my message is We Are Family to sing a little Sister Sledge. <laughs> I got all my sisters and me. Yes, thank you, Jesus. So if you've surrendered your life to Christ, you are in God's family. And I know the word family can be a trigger word because not all of us have had uh, a great family experience with our own personal families, or there've been rough valleys in our family experience. I also know the word church, if the word church comes up in this message, and it will, uh, that can be kind of a trigger word too. So don't get stuck in the weeds when you hear the word family or church because of maybe some past woundedness. Just uh, let the spirit of God buoy you and carry you through those and just hear what he has to say to all of us. Um, yeah, and really, the, the family thing, um, we are his extended family, are we not? We are brothers and sisters in Christ. So we're going to come off the assumption that that's, that's our starting place. Um, so if, if you surrendered your life to Christ, then God created you and me with togetherness in mind. Genesis 2.18 says, Then the Lord said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. And Adam said, yes, Jesus. <laughs> so what is biblical togetherness? What is biblical togetherness? Webster's 1828 dictionary says, to be in company, into junction or state of union, as to sew, knit, pin, or fasten, two things together. Two things together. To mix things together is also in there too. So we'll get into more of that, but I thought that was a beautiful definition. God says togetherness is essential. One might even suggest togetherness is a biblical mandate based on the 339 times it is mentioned in his word. Let's look at what's happening in the early church not long after Jesus' resurrection and ascension. So Acts 2, if you have your Bibles, or if you want to just look at the screen, that's fine too. We're going to go to Acts 2, 42 through 47. Keep in mind, this was, this was written right on the heels of Pentecost when God showed up in a major way. And this came on the heels of that. And I'm going to need my readers. All right, here we go. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Say together. together. 
And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, ascending to the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with, say, all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is, this is God's blueprint for togetherness. And here's some of the other ways the Bible talks about, about togetherness. And these are, actual, these are actual places in his word where it specifically says these things. Listen to this. We're to pray together, serve together, worship together, grieve together, eat together. It's not my favorite, but I like it. Laugh and play together. Grow together. Stand together. And do life together. Oh, and there's more. We gather together. We cry out together. We rejoice together. We're joined together. We're alive together. We're built together. And even, and this is in early in Colossians, held together. Right? In her devotion, Why Being Alone is Not God's Design for You, Michelle Dutois writes, Togetherness is good. Being together is not the same as togetherness. Two people can be in each other's company, but it does not mean that they are together. Whew. I find that to be true, don't you? And by the way, the enemy doesn't promote togetherness. He, does, he promotes division, right? Um, I mean, unless it's somehow to band together against God, he does not do that. No community, companionship, or togetherness is okay with the enemy because those things are ununifying, they're, uh, they're, they're not uplifting, and they're not, and, and they're not encouraging. The road without biblical togetherness is a fast track to isolation and solitude and loneliness. That might be you this morning. You are utterly alone in every way. The big lie is that you don't need God or anyone else. That's the big lie. You don't need him. We got, I got this. The truth is that God's togetherness brings health and life and shalom and peace. All right, go ahead and put it up. Put it up. Come on, Mike, put it up. There it is. What are those on the left? Twinkies. And no, I, I was not dared just to insert the word Twinkie in my message. No one dared me to do that. No, there's a point. And then right next to that is? Broccoli, broccoli. All right. A Harvard study, and this was done, uh, not coincidentally, I don't think, this study was done in 2019, right before COVID. Okay, so keep that in mind as I, as I read this. A Harvard study of 7,000 people found that the most isolated people were three times more likely to die than those with strong relationships. Reporting on the study, John Ortberg, famous theologian, author, Christian author, writes that, Quote, people who had bad health habits, such as smoking, poor eating habits, 
or alcohol use, but strong social ties lived significantly longer than people who had great health habits but were isolated. In other words, it is better to eat Twinkies (laughs) with good friends than to eat broccoli alone. (laughs) Wow. What is true physically is also true spiritually, right? If we want to maintain a healthy, lifelong walk with Christ, we need community. We need togetherness. To stay faithful, we must stay connected. That's why God gave us the church. Don't trigger. Don't let it go. Don't, don't, don't do it. God gave us the church. Who, is his, who are his people? His children. That's us. And people are going to fail you. People are going to hurt you. But that's okay. I'm not going to skip it. I feel led to share here that being together actually has very little to do with one, one's personality type. I know in this culture, all this Enneagrams and the disc test and, uh, oh, you're, 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 you're an eight, wing nine. What? Oh, woo-hoo. And I, no, I'm not bashing it. I'm just saying, but listen, it has far less to do with your personality type. Togetherness has far less to do with that. Sorry, introverts. There are no passages where I read, be recluse. Isolate yourself and do life alone. It's okay. This is what's best for you. You're not off the hook, extroverts. There are no passages where I read, never be alone. Surround yourself with people 24-7. You must constantly be with others to survive. Right? God wants us to walk in togetherness, and that's more than simply being physically together. Real togetherness happens first at a spiritual level, relationally, but also at a mental cognitive level, like-mindedness, and also a physical level, proximity, right? I left out emotional because I think feelings are symptomatic of spiritual, cognitive, and physical and should be the caboose of our spiritual train. Can I get an amen? But that's another message. Um, Even extroverts need to be be by themselves and have strategic alone time. And that's okay, because again, there are many ways we can actually experience togetherness. And introverts, I think the encouragement is to to strategically find times of being together, right? With others, plan it, sink into it, and see what God uses, how he uses it to bring togetherness uh, for his glory and your good, okay? All right, I got that in. So uh, Pastor Brian uses the phrase, it's two words, and the second word is together. <laughs> say, it, say it again. Yeah. Better together. All right. He, ca- he came in hot with that phrase a couple years ago. And I love it. And we should love it because it's biblical. We are better together. Um, and it's not just for pathway, for, but for humankind, all mankind. Uh, we are better. To, why are we better together, though? How are we together anyways? What does it mean to be together? We're going to talk about how God created us for togetherness and all the benefits. So now, if you have your Bibles, it would be great if you would turn to Colossians chapter 2. Sorry, Colossians chapter 3, starting at verse 12. 
Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another. Say one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. Say each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything Say together in perfect harmony and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you are called in one body and be thankful. And let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another. Say one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything. Say everything. In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. So, I'm going to share out of that passage five benefits of biblical togetherness, or true togetherness, or real togetherness. First, God uses togetherness to bring selflessness and other-centeredness. Verse 12 said, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. All of these things require you to not be thinking about you. There's a comedian that talks about, he, he refers to it as the me monster. Me, me, it's because he constantly thinks about himself and, and realizes that and makes jokes about it because it's so, he realizes it's so rampant in him. When he wakes up in the morning, he thinks about what he's doing, what he's doing, what da, da, da. I think, I think the call upon, that God is saying upon us is to be compassionate, kind, humble, meek, and patient towards one another. Think about one another more often. Shoot, I don't want to think about myself anyway. It's, I, I mean, that's boring. That's, that's, that's no way to live. And so what, what is the opposite of, of selflessness? Selfishness. What's the opposite of being other-centered? Self-centered, right? Literally, the heart of God's great commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. When we're truly together, we exude the fruit of the Spirit and bear with one another. Here's a a verse you're going to want to write down. It's just the reference, Thessalonians 5, 11 through 19. Read that later. It's incredible. I'm going to read Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So that's one benefit of togetherness. Another one is God uses togetherness to bring authentic forgiveness. It says in verse 13, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you so you also must forgive. Uh, 
Unforgiveness is, to me, in my opinion, I can't come to a scripture and back this up, but in, in my life experience, unforgiveness is the biggest tool the enemy uses to divide and to destroy us. And to prevent togetherness, family. Uh, God's perfect forgiveness for us is demonstrated on the cross. The word says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. He died for you. He took your sin. And you know your sin. Everybody else might not know, but you know. And God certainly knows. And he, Jesus went to that cross for that sin, for your sin, your mistakes, your shortcomings, your shame, your fear, your guilt. Everything that you've misstepped with and done wrong, Jesus took on himself. That's ultimate forgiveness. That's all I'll say there, but I would just employ you, implore you, that's the better word, implore you. If you have unforgiveness towards someone, if you have not forgiven, oh, but pastor, you don't know what they did. You don't know what I've been through. You have no idea. It's the worst thing I've ever experienced in my life. And it, and it, is, it probably is. And I sympathize as much as I can with that. But I'm telling you, we need to, we need to forgive others. Because you are, a, you are, you're walking with chains on through life, leg shackles through life if you don't forgive the people who have done things against you. And it's not, it's not for them. It is a little bit for them to see Jesus in you, but it's, it's for you to be free of it, to be free of it. And he wants to set you free from it. 2 Corinthians 2, 7, and 8. You're going to want to write that down. I will read Matthew 6, 14, and 15. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is one of the greatest ways you can kick Satan in the face. Square in the face. Forgive those who have hurt you and don't hold grudges. Thirdly, I gotta, I gotta hurry. Man, it does go fast, bro. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> he's a good pastor, he is. He's been a good coach. Um, God uses togetherness to bring inexplicable peace and shalom. Pastor Brian's talked a lot about shalom, right? Um, and the verse 15 says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Again, peace is not something we can strive for. It's not something you can just go work so hard, I'm gonna get that peace. I'm gonna get me that peace. No, you can't do it. Only Jesus can bring you, because the peace is the only peace he can give. It's not peace you can muster, or conjure, or manufacture. Pastor said in a, in a message last weekend when I was out in Ohio, a pastor said in his message, peace is not something you can attain, but if you humbly ask for it, you can obtain, right? You can't attain it, you can't do it, but you can obtain it. You can get, you can receive it from the Lord. So here's some more scriptures that I want you to write down if you're a note taker. Oh, go crazy with those. 
Those are amazing on the peace and shalom through togetherness. And the, the John 14 passage says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So how can we be troubled or afraid when we know that it's his peace anyway? It's not something we did. We didn't do anything. We just received it. Number four, God uses togetherness to bring supernatural unity. Do you want that? I want that. It says in verse 14, and above all these, put on love. Notice it says put on. Again, you obtain it. You don't attain it. Put on love. It's not saying strive for more love or work hard to be more loving, which binds everything together. Say everything together. In perfect harmony, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. When we're truly together, we are harmonious and unified. And there's a bunch of musical <laughs> metaphors and allegory and things that hyperbole that I could use right now, but I'm not. <laughs> but I'm not going to do that. But you are God's symphony. Right? That's a good one. And we should be harmonious together. Psalm 133.1. I love this verse, how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters live together in harmony. And there are other verses that you need to write down. Ray Kim says this, he's an author, blogger. He says, togetherness is not about family. I'm sorry, is about family, not facility. Togetherness is about love, not location. And there was another one he said, togetherness is about peace, not proximity. It's good stuff. Here's the last one. God uses togetherness to bring Christ first living. Christ first living. In verse 17, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. As a family, and we are a family, Amen. We should learn to be Christ-like wherever, whenever, and however God leads in all spaces and locations. Work, play, restaurants, vacation. Text threads, social media, and especially in our homes. And Jesus Christ should be the filter or visor by which we view everything. He's already there. We're already walking in him. That visor is already there. So everything, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, whatever we're looking at, is through the visor of Jesus, the Holy Spirit. And his name should be imprinted on all that we say or lay our hands to. When we're with others, biblical togetherness is possible. And even when we're not with each other, biblical togetherness is possible because it's more than just being together. Jeremiah is considered a major prophet while others are referred to, not all others, but some of the others are referred to minor prophets. I'm really glad 
that they didn't know who was a major and who was a minor, because I feel like that's really discriminant. <laughs> but I think that kind of came later. We'll just say he was, he was in tune with the Lord because Jeremiah is in the word of God. So in Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, I just want to read you what it says. And I pray this for us. This is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth and that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. The togetherness is a precursor. Biblical togetherness is a precursor to that unity, to that peace, to that forgiveness, to all those things. God wants relationship first, first with you and then with others. And then all these things are just, wow, look at what he's doing. Look at what he can do. And we get in the way. We get in the way of those things. So here are the next step questions. Based on what biblical togetherness looks like, do you see it in your life? Based on what we've heard biblical togetherness looks like, do you see it in your life? Number two, what is holding you back from the togetherness God desires for you? What, would, what might that be holding you back? Maybe that's something you can surrender this morning. And thirdly, are you experiencing the fullness of your spiritual family? And I realize as I say that, this, this, this isn't the totality. This isn't the complete spiritual family here, although it is some of it. Amen? Are you experiencing the, the fullness of your spiritual family? And what refinements might God want you to make uh, in you for real togetherness to take root. Biblical togetherness, true togetherness, real togetherness, together with God, together with each other. And not just proximity, like mine. We know what direction we're going. We already said this ground, this space, this time is, is for Jesus. This has already been claimed for him. That's the direction we're going. And we're going in that direction together. So one of our worship team members, and she's here, I see her. Uh, Marcy works at St. Ed's. And she's been working and serving at St. Ed's as a musical teacher, as a music teacher for a long time. That's all I'll say, a long time. She was so inspired by um, something we sang here that she took it to her students in the lower school. So these are mostly elementary school children. And I want you to watch what happened when they closed the chapel the other day. So, and, and before you play that, I want you, this is, 
Now begins the invitation and your time to respond. Now begins because we're going to continue to kind of worship and kind of come out of this video and just let the Lord do what he does. So with that, let's just stand. Let's, let's get in a posture to already respond if he so leads. We are heading into his shalom together, together. So watch this. Shalom, shalom, shalom. 
trust and stand firm. Watch you move. Say we. All we do is worship you and believe that you will see me through. And all we do is worship you. We will trust and stand firm. Watch you respond completely and I don't, I don't I'm not saying it means y'all have to be up to these altars and up at the front that's not what I'm saying but I do believe that the Lord I mean because he's done it with me he's called me to respond and, and walk forward and do something and I've just been like oh I can do it right here Lord I'm, I'm good you know I can, I'm good or whatever and you can do it right there but we're gonna just we're just gonna linger a little bit longer and if there's something you need to lay down at Jesus' feet and get rid of that is getting in the way of you and biblical togetherness, of real togetherness with your brothers and sisters in Christ, maybe it's a wedge that's been there for years, decades, decades. Maybe it's something that just happened last week or a couple weeks ago. Maybe it's with a fellow brother and sister in this room. Offer your forgiveness to God. Ask forgiveness uh, for how you've had something against them, had ought against them. It's Matthew 5, 23, 24. Go look it up later. If you have ought with your brother or sister, leave, make peace with God, make shalom with God, forgive them, and then come back and worship Him. That can happen right here, right now. You don't have to wait to do that. So we're going to just sing a little bit longer. And if you need to do that, if you need to take care of business with the Lord this morning, don't wait. Don't hesitate. Thank you, Lord. And all I do is worship you. I will 
Stand firm, watch you move, and all I do is worship you, I believe, you will see me through, and all I do is worship you, I will trust you, watch you
Lord, we love you. We thank you for how you use us. You've involved us in your, in your process, in your plan for humanity. You, you've, you've planned things for us. Process. You've given us a purpose for things for us to, to join you, to align with you, to be together with you, and then with each other to impact your kingdom. This is your kingdom. This isn't ours. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is yours. So Lord, whatever it is that we have that we need to let go of and give back, as painful as that might be, it can't even come close to the pain you experienced on the cross. So Lord, help us to sift and to discern and to be sensitive to those things that you want us to place at your feet, to let go of, to release all the pain, all the woundedness, all the division with maybe someone else, the fracture with someone else. Maybe it's a fracture with you, Lord. Maybe we're angry with you this morning. How could you let that happen, God? How could you, how could you just allow that to happen? Oh, Lord, help us to trust you. That all things that happen to us or for us or through us, together or as individuals, is for your glory and, and our good. Somehow, some way, May you receive glory, Lord. May you receive the broken places of our hearts and restore us as a, as a person, as a body of believers, as a community. Thank you, Lord, for your clear instructions on this. And we just want to follow hard after you. May your word and your truth reign. And may our belief and trust and in you as a faithful God, not cease. May nothing get in the way of what it is that you did in us and through us today and that you will do us moving forward. We love you and praise you and it's in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. If you're visiting with us for the first time, we're so glad you're here. There's a, there's a welcome center out here in this lobby that we'd love for you to go to. And we have a gift for you. We'd love for you to check in with us and just say hi. And you can find out more about what we believe and where God's taking us. And um, there's also the envelope fundraiser out there. If you want to give to the students, God bless you. Now go be the church.